0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I've had a great week. I hope you guys have too. I'm just back from Orlando. I was down there with my in-laws and their family for vacation. We were at uh, parks Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. All of the Disney and Universal Parks, we had a great time, but by Friday, I was thrilled to take a break from that and head over to the Damon Forum, where I heard some fantastic lectures and got to meet up with some podcast listeners, as well as some friends that uh, I've known for a while. Uh, We had a reception for Pragmatic Orthodontics with Dr. Derek Bach, and uh, overall, a great meeting. I was only able to be there one day, slip away from the family vacation, but uh, I heard some fantastic lectures. One thing that's been on my mind after being down there was the use of photography, and I really got that from a lecture from uh, Dr. Mike Bicknell and uh, Jeff Kozlowski, and uh, also you'll hear that in our interview coming up today from Dr. Nick Azizis. The use of photography, not just at the beginning of treatment and the end of treatment, but throughout treatment. And that's definitely something I'm going to be considering uh, implementing more of in my practice. I want to thank you guys again for tuning in and listening. I think we've had over 3,000 downloads of podcast episodes, which is amazing to me and, and really exciting. And we've had uh, a lot of people requesting to join our Elevate Orthodontics Facebook group. Again, that's a chance for you to discuss things that you hear in the podcast episodes. Uh, We're trying to limit that to orthodontists only. So if you've requested a membership and your Facebook profile doesn't indicate that you're an orthodontist, I may ask you for some follow-up information, but we'd love to have you. I'm excited for today's episode. Uh, You're going to get a lot out of this. We'll jump right in and get started. I hope you're having a great week. Send me any uh, thoughts, questions, feedback. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. All right, let's dive in here and get started. Okay, so for today's tip of the week, we're going to talk about using direct deposit to reach your financial goals. I think one of the most underutilized techniques for building wealth and achieving financial success is taking control of your direct deposit in your paycheck and other automated transfers out of your bank account. If you work with a full-service financial advisor, hopefully they're helping you with this. If not, let me share some thoughts that I think will be useful. First, let me start by advising you to never pay for personal expenses out of your practice checking account. Yes, I know your accountant can go back and fix it all later, but it's a mess, and more to the point, it really muddies the water between your practice and personal finances. If you wanna leave money in your practice account, to pay for a big piece of equipment or to save up for some other investment opportunity to buy another practice, whatever the case may be. That's great, but don't take that money and then spend it personally. Make a conscious decision about the money that you're gonna take out and put it in your personal account before you spend it on personal expenses. Okay, so most doctors will be taking some type of regular salary or draw from their practice, and this is usually deposited into a personal checking account from which any number of expenses are paid. There's a constant battle for dollars in your checking account between mortgage payments, student loans, car payments, utilities, entertainment, kids' food, shopping, etc. If anything's left over, it might be transferred to a savings account or put towards vacation. But there is a better way to do this. First, I would recommend that if you're contributing to your repi- retirement accounts, you do it every pay period. Some people like to load these up all at once, but I like doing it every pay period to keep my cash flows even and to make sure that I actually hit my funding goal for the year. Now, we get to the meat of the system here. You're going to want to set your direct deposit up to fund several accounts at once, and this is easy to do through any payroll provider, or if you do it yourself, you'll know how to do this. First, you're going to have a checking account that you're going to use only for student loan payments, or you could have it for other big debt payments that you're making. And this is so that you don't have to see these big deposits and withdrawals coming out and in and out of your main checking account all the time. Second, if you're funding a 529 or other account for your kids' college savings, I would go ahead and have that withdrawn directly from your paycheck. Third, you're going to fund an after-tax investment account. This could be a brokerage account where you're buying mutual funds. This could be an account where you're saving up money to make real estate purchases. Uh, This could be any account that you're going to make investment outside of your practice. And finally is your personal checking account, which is the one that you're using for your household expenses. The beauty of the system is threefold. First, whatever makes it into your personal account is really and truly yours to spend. Second, you're guaranteed to reach your annual goals for debt repayment and for savings. And third, if you want to pay down your loans faster or you want to save and or invest more or if you want to spend more, it's easy to make conscious decisions regarding your money by adjusting the amount being deposited into these accounts. This isn't a new concept. Certainly, I don't claim any original authorship of this. But I think it's something that's not being used to its fullest extent, and I think it can really help you reach your financial goals. As always, you can find these tips on the blog section of our website, elevateorthopodcast.com. Dr. Jonathan Nikazesis completed his dental education at the University of Pennsylvania before attending Temple University for his orthodontic residency. He is a member of the Invisalign National Speakers Bureau and Clinical Research Network, where he helps conduct research and development of new technologies and improvements to the Invisalign technique. He has given over fifty national and international lectures. Dr Nikazisis is a member of the Edward H Angle Society of Orthodontists. He volunteers for various charitable organizations and enjoys exercising, biking and traveling with his wife and children. Dr Nikazisis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you Lance, thank you. Um not not
1: to feed my ego too much, but uh, that number 50 is uh, probably over about 400 at this point. So Uh, that's unbelievable number of lectures so uh, all good stuff
0: yeah I was on your website looking at some of the courses you've given and it's it's unbelievable all over the world and to lots of different audiences you know I I pinch myself every day
1: and and just realize how fortunate uh, I I am in, in my practice career and if you would have told me 17 years ago when I first graduated that I would be uh, doing what I do, I would I would have told you you're you're a big fat liar. But uh, <laughs> it's it's just sort of evolved by happenstance and happily so. And uh, I truly believe it has made me a much better practitioner, uh, helping my my fellow colleagues, you know, understand how to move teeth with plastic. It keeps me honest. It challenges me. And there is no better firing squad than being in front of, you know, 10, 50, a couple hundred of your colleagues um, and you talking about Uh, doing orthodontics with plastic uh, than than, than that situation. It it keeps you honest uh, to the nth degree.
0: Well, that's great. And that's why we've got you here today is so, you know, in that vein to share with our audience some of your uh, accumulated wisdom and knowledge here. I I want to divide our conversation into really three parts. I want to start by talking a little bit bigger picture about aligners and, and, and the marketplace. And then I want to hit on some specific clinical practices and wrap mm-hmm. up with a little bit of a discussion on how to incorporate Invisalign uh, into your practice. Does that sound okay? Absolutely. Perfect. Great, great. So tell us a little bit about your practice today and your journey since you finished your orthodontic residency program.
1: Well, you know, the, the simple truth is Invisalign did not exist when I graduated uh, I mean, I finished the fall of 99 and I, I think it was earlier that year at the AAO when I attended, I saw Invisalign at the exhibit uh, hall at the AAO and it literally had a you know 10 by 10 little booth and this picture of this clear piece of plastic and talked about doing orthodontics with plastic. And I remember looking at these guys and I said to myself, who the hell do these guys think they are? And I gave them the big wave off and I said... This is a bunch of malarkey and, and went on my merry way. And, and lo and behold, 17 years later, you know, it's a company with a marketing capitalization of $8 billion. I mean, that's incredible. And so my journey is such that, you know, I, I took the, the first, um, uh, certification course uh, j- that January when I f- started practicing in temple we we graduate at the end of um, of September so about three months later four months later I took the certification course and and back then we were just like you know well I can do this with a spring aligner you know I, why do I need to do all this so it was a natural evolution and I, and I figured it's It, 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 you know, teeth are stupid. That's the one thing I learned in residency is that they don't know where the force comes from. It could be uh, brackets and wires. It could be a child's thumb. It could be a piece of plastic, but teeth just, you know, respond to forces. The forces have to be in a deliberate direction over a certain period of time and they will move. And so, you know, I figured that it, it, it's, It's got to do something right. And in the history chapter of of our orthodontic textbooks have certainly shown that, you know, removable appliances, whether it be cold cure acrylic or vulcanized rubber or or, or what have you, move teeth. But now with the advent of of CAD CAM, it it can only get better. And so my journey was no different than anybody's. And and, and certainly the truth be told, Lance, is that in the first five years of, of the new millennium, you know, it was simply the Wild West. When it came to moving teeth with plastic, and you know and you look at the iterations of, of what Invisalign told us to do, we, we had best practices protocol, we had uh, shoot, I forget all the names, but um, we had all these things where we were told, well do, we've got it figured out, just, just apply our um, uh, apply our uh, new found, um, uh, parameters and, and, and optimize this and that. And, and it worked to a certain degree, but, you know, each generational improvement is simply that it's an improvement. It's not perfect, but it's a huge step in the right direction. And so there are many days back in in the mid to early two thousands where I would drive home and hit my head on my steering wheel, asking myself, why am I treating people with Plastic like you know, I'm not getting the results. I'm not doing this, but then there were the these these nagging You know more than a handful of cases that worked out beautifully And so I I took it upon myself to really dissect Why those cases worked out well and why the other ones did not and and there were you know, uh, time and time again, there were, were certain patterns that I saw, certain things that when I did my dental CSI and it went back to the, you know, the, the, the Invisalign crime scene investigation, let's call it, you know, on, on old clinchecks, you know, I, I saw these certain things that, these patterns that were, became, you know, so glaringly obvious as to why these worked that well and the others didn't. and And, you know, the simple fact is that, Aligners push and they cannot pull. Your appliance system of choice is a pushing piece of plastic and you must design your ClinCheck to to push. And when you push on something, Mother Nature dictates that, you know, surface area is king. And when you, I mean, think about our intestines. Our intestines have microvilli all in the intestines that increase the surface air, area for increasing absorption of nutrients. And so if you maximize the surface area of anything, it can only be better, especially when it comes to, you, you know, pushing on something. So that that was number one. Number two was creating space between teeth and I know I'm kind of getting into the the clinical thing that you wanted to talk about later but these are the the um the patterns that I saw yeah. and and so I just started to really just write these down figure them out and 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 bake them down you know, distill them down to its basic components and then build them back up into the clincheck and what I I eventually evolved to And the interesting thing is when I speak to other faculty members, you know, my good friend Maz and Willie and and Barry, uh, et cetera, they, you know, we all kind of came to the same revelation around the same time and and basically just distilling down what we take for granted with fixed appliances every day and building it back up in the ClinCheck. And uh, yeah, that was my evolution.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I feel like you you know, you do a great job with is, and you're kind of speaking the language of orthodontist. It seems like when, when orthodontists sit down to look at an Invisalign case, sometimes they just kind of throw out their mechanics or their way of thinking about it. Maybe it's just, we take a lot for granted when we're using fixed appliances, but there seems to be this disconnect. You know, why do you think that's not more obvious to to doctors that the, the same mechanics have to apply? because because we are so hardwired
1: to thinking and, and I, I say that pun intended uh, hardwired uh to to say uh, to to think a certain way and and when we put a bracket on a tooth and we put a wire in in a in a bracket slot our mind our brain is like a pentium 7 chip from from intel and in that there are so many um uh, computations that are occurring that we take for granted every day that we don't even think about. And things are occurring so quickly. But yet, when we look at cartoonodontics on the screen, our, our brain reverts back to the days of the Commodore 64 or the TRS 80s. And and for those younger kids in the audience, that's when we used to save data on a, on a cassette tape and it would take 15 minutes to load a game of tic-tac-toe. Uh, and so, uh, and so, uh, there's a disconnect there, Lance, because we as orthodontists, I, I think sometimes uh, we have our head in the sand, and and we, we and it's one of my favorite Far Side cartoons, uh, Gary Larson and the Far Side, and it, it was uh, and I always I put this in my first presentation, and it and it was called School for the Gifted. And I had a picture of this young boy, you know, going into class and he had his head down, his books under one hand and he was trying to open the door and he was pushing on the door. And if you look up on the door, there was a sign that said pull to open. And so I laugh at that because here was a gifted student, you know, trying to, um, you know, going to the best school possible and and he had his head down in the sand in his rut, not looking up and reading the signs around him. And so where I made my splash with Invisalign, is really figuring out how to do extrusion properly and so with, with the fundamental understanding that teeth are stupid and they don't know where the force comes from you know i took it upon myself to figure out well how can i impart the, the necessary forces to get a, a, a high maxillary cuspid uh, that is positioned apical down to the occlusal plane and i and that's where i think we as orthodontists have our uh, to answer your question directly, we as orthodontists have our head in, in the sand sometimes, and 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 whether it's the marketplace that's has seismic shifting going on right now in, in 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 our marketplace, or it's whether how we are moving teeth with plastic, we simply need to pick our heads out of our rut, out of the sand, look at the signs around us, and and figure out how uh, to impart forces with a pushing piece of plastic onto a clinical crown of a tooth to elicit forces directed towards the center, through the center of resistance to get to the desired final position of that tooth.
0: Yeah, I love, I love that answer. And so clinically we're, we're trying to pull on the door and we need to be pushing obviously. And, and you're saying also though, more broadly, there's, there's a, there's a marketplace shift that's going on. And I want to touch on that Sure. What, how, how do you feel aligner therapy is affecting our profession, and and I guess Invisalign specifically, who you're a speaker for, but uh, you know other clear aligner therapies. How do you see that's affecting the, the profession over the next ten years?
1: Ah, oh, well, look, it, it already has. Uh, Invisalign is is twenty years old. Uh, Nineteen ninety seven commercially available. in Nineteen ninety nine, I started using it the fall of or the spring rather of two thousand, and. It already has. Whether it's you know G, GPS doing it and this and that, but it it's here. It's here to stay. If you're not on the bandwagon or behind the bandwagon, you're 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 missing it, and you must get caught up because it ain't going away. I mean the the size of the marketplace five years ago, right now aligner therapy. Um, makes up about 20%. Some say 25% of the marketplace. Five years ago, it was, you know, six years ago is about 10%. And so will it be at 50% in five years? Maybe not 50%, but I see it well above 30 yeah. And so that's, that's, you know, in our own office. I think what we're really looking at here also is, is the other market pressures at force is, is, uh, tele, and, and it 's wrapped around teledentistry, which is that, that wonderful article that was in the JCO recently and and teledentistry means many, many things it could be mean you know direct to the consumer with like smile direct club it could be your where me and, and some of uh, align 's other fantastic faculty members are helping other orthodontists uh, every day, you know, do their cases. I mean, that's a form of teledentistry. It could mean me, you know, opening up uh, several satellite offices and and treating people remotely and and staffing those offices with, you know, an office manager, a hygienist to take radiographs, uh, bond attachments, what have you. Uh, and, And so that's something that I'm actively you know, really wrapping my head around. And I think that um, to answer your question, where is it going from here? The, the, the beauty of plastic is it allows for an infinite uh, amount of capacity in your scheduling. So when you learn how to master movement with the ClinCheck and master movement uh, with CAD-CAModontics and plastic, you know, you, I have people that live in California and they come back to Princeton once a year. I mean, and, I mean, talk about profitability per visit. It has a comma in it, like my bar tab before I got married. So, you know, it, it's, it's just like, um, it, it has this infinite capacity for us in our schedule. And that's why I call it the plastic employee. Now, when it comes to Invisalign versus other products, you know, I'm not here to stump for Invisalign. I'm here to be. Uh, an orthodontist and speak to my colleagues. And, and I consider myself a first among equals. And I love that saying. I used it during my, my orthodontic interview at Temple uh, because I truly feel like if we all believe that we are first among equals, that we are all going to give our best and, and make a, a rising tide lift all boats collectively uh, to, to the betterment of our colleagues and our orthodontic profession in general. And so when it comes to Invisalign, you know, there might be cheaper people out there to to do uh, aligner therapy that, if, uh, you know, 30% less, 40% less the lab bill. You might, you know, invest in 3D printing and software to move teeth on your own. And dude, that's great if you want to do that, if you've got the time to do that. But the simple fact is the white elephant in the room, Lance, is that right now in 2017, and as has been Practice, you know, or in the industry for the last seventeen years, Invisalign is the only person with the marketing budget to help drive people to my practice. Yeah, like it or not, it's it. That's that's the way it is. And if you, as a person in private practice, are tired of the the tail wagging the dog. And I suggest you become the hand that 's holding the tail that 's that's, <laughs> that's wagging yeah. the dog oh
0: sorry let me let me circle back around to something you said you know you 're talking about teledentistry and you know all of the permutations that that allows, and I guess there 's probably a fear among doctors that they 're going to be made redundant in this kind of whole aligner workflow, but on the mm-hmm. same time you 're saying that we have to approach our clin checks. With this biomechanical aspect. So what you know, what role is there for an orthodontic specialist in, in, the, in the kind of new world of aligner therapy? Well, it's, it's a great, great question. And
1: I, I truly believe the orthodontist will not be replaced. Because I just actually, believe it or not, went to Costa Rica a month and a half ago, or last month, for the first time. And what I took away from it, aside from the fact it was a very wonderful, impactful experience, what I took away from it is how much um, uh, freedom the technicians have in setting up the cases and even the software moving the teeth. And the software has parameters, etc. But at the end of the day, the orthodontist knows or should know best how teeth respond to forces. Accordingly, people piss and moan when they get a clincheck back that doesn't work right, you know, and they say, they pound their fist on the table and they say, you know, how dare Invisalign give me a clincheck back that doesn't work correctly? You know, why, why do they do this? Why doesn't, you know, why can't it all be like Nicosesis or, or Moshiri or, or, or Dan or, 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 uh, Glazer and, and it all works perfectly? Why do I have to think like this? Well, if you follow your logic to its logical conclusion, then Invisalign would make you know, clinchex that work perfectly and they wouldn't need us. And they could go right next to Starbucks and open up in the mall. And so you get a scan, you get your latte and a half hour later, you get your aligner. So my point to my colleagues is be careful what you ask for. And, and so getting back to your question, the need for the orthodontist will always be there. The, the role of the orthodontist will certainly shift and getting back to the, you know, the other aligner therapies, you know, I think what, what has been spoken about in our uh, online um, uh, blogs and, and threads and, and, and private groups is, is, pr- and, and, and Smile Direct Club shows this is that there is a whole other market of willing customers slash patients who maybe don't want the, the, you know, the, the Cadillac price tag, the Cadillac plan, the Cadillac treatment and are willing and they are not willing to spend the five, $6,000. And, and, and certainly, you know, there is this market of, of, I want to call it lesser treatment, but it's, it's treatment that is appropriate for a lesser fee. And I think that's a proper way to look at it. And so I think as orthodontist, in terms of w- just one aspect of our, I want to call it survival, but but staying relevant in a a seismically shifting marketplace, I think it would behoove us. And, and there are many, uh, many much smarter people than me that that thought of this, and, and I learned it from being on these online groups. Is that we perhaps need to have a, a an alternative um, uh, treatment. To, to offer that would be, you know, less treatment for less fee. You know, it's like, you know, we're basically offering a menu, not not a menu like with 50 things to choose from, but maybe one or two or maybe three options to choose from. So as an orthodontist to stay relevant when it comes into the uh, aligner therapy, I, I think number one, you have to master moving teeth with plastic. Number two, you have to consider uh, that things like Smile Direct Club ain't going away aligners aren't going away and are you going to piss and moan and, and and pound your 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 hands on the table and say, Boy, I wish it was what it used to be, or are you going to shift and adapt? You know, I grew up in the retail business. My father uh, was in the carpet business and for years upon years, he worked five days a week. Uh, you know, promising never to work on the weekends cause it was a family time. And then lo and behold, competitors come in, they open up on Saturdays. He begrudgingly opened up on Saturdays saying he would never open up on Sundays cause that's a true family day in church and lunch and dinners and what have you. And then when the competitors opened up on Sundays, what do you do? Do you, do you stay closed? Well, if you're Chick fil A, you do, but I think that's more of a marketing point (laughs) than anything else. But, but you, you know, but no, he opened up on Sunday. And, and, And so you have to adapt, you have to evolve. And those that do, um, will do well, and those that don't will, will fade into. Um, you know, there'll the, be the Ozymandias. I don't know if you remember that poem from grade <laughs> yeah. school, but yeah. you know, uh, some leader that thought their stuff didn't stink and had the best clothes, and yeah. you know, sure enough, time wore them down and and became nothing after a while.
0: Right. Great. Let's let's switch gears here a little bit and talk about some some clinical tips that people might be interested in. Sure. One of your best known articles, uh, I love, is "Is Tripping the Plastic Fantastic," and I have to ask about this title here. How did you come across this phrase? Well,
1: I, you know, to, to trip the light fantastic,
0: yeah, is
1: is just a a, and I think Paul McCartney had a an album called "Tripping the Light." Fantastic. Is that where you got but it from, Paul McCartney? Yes, yes. Okay, and I McCartney. saw And I saw him in Washington DC many years ago when i was in college and saw the tour and and it, it, i just always liked you know tripping tripping, the tripping the whatever fantastic yeah and then the natural you know uh, blend is 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 plastic because the plastic fantastic it just rolls off the tongue and <laughs> and so i i just that's where it came from and so the trip to light fantastic is to like just move around to music and and just to just kind of dance around nimbly and and so tripping the plastic fantastic is is truly you know ascertaining uh, or I should say, having a proper differential diagnosis to which specific movements you're trying to accomplish. And, and, and albeit ba- back then it was maxillary lateral incisors and the rotations of maxillary right. laterals as well as cuspids. And so the differential diagnosis is, is not just the rotation, but where is the root? Where is the apex when it starts? Where is it ending up? And, and that is, is you know, where it, it, it came from.
0: So when I think of this Tripping the Light fantastic article, to me, I think about, you know, rotating teeth or, you know, in the lateral and, you know, incisors also some some extrusion perhaps. But, you know, what, what are the kind of principles there that you touched briefly of attachment sure. design for for rotating a tooth?
1: Well, I uh, I would say that um, it depends on, which, you know, which tooth I'm talking about depends on how much second-order movement there is. And, and so the uh, tooth movement assessment table or, or tooth movement table in the ClinCheck does a wonderful job of breaking down all dimensions of, of tooth movement. And whenever there is a significant amount of second-order movement, meaning that the apex is sweeping through alveolar bone and, and anywhere, and my threshold is about... Of four to five degrees. If it's like four degrees or less, then I'm happy to use the optimized cuspid rotation attachment. If it's five degrees or more, then I'm switching from my optimized uh, cuspid uh, rotation attachment to a vertical beveled attachment because it, it, otherwise you're trying to like close a door by grabbing the door at the hinges, if you will, and trying to swing the door that way. Um, And and so, you know, I guess a few things which I touched on already is, number one, you, you must create a little bit of space between the teeth uh, to help with the rotations because what's, you know, going back to my, my experience or my evolution that, that you, you asked me about before, the cases that worked out best back in the early 2000s were spacing cases. And, and why is that? For the simple truth that there was no interproximal binding among the teeth to throw them off base uh, or, th- you know, throw off the tracking. And so why not turn every crowded case into a minor spacing case with tooth movement instead of IPR? And so I I never understood why we did all this IPR in the early 2000s just because we were moving teeth with plastic. Um, That never made sense to me. And so I turn every crowded case into a minor spacing case, maybe like a tenth of a millimeter of space between the teeth. And then after space is created then i start the rotations and you got to start rotations earlier on going back to the language of fixed appliances or to the action of fixed appliances what's our first movement that we do the first order movement is rotations so in order to make invisalign successful Early on, after two or three or four stages, when you've you've cracked open the interproximal contacts, you should start correcting the rotations earlier on, like in the first third of treatment or even earlier, not in the last third of treatment. Um, And and so that's number one. Number two, uh, when it comes to extrusion specifically, you must, and I've, I've proven this time and time again even with my own mistakes as 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 recently as you know 2013 i had a case where i was extruding uh seven and ten tooth number seven and ten on on the same patient and lo and behold seven did not track and ten did and when i went back and did dental csi plain as day for five stages in the middle of treatment i pulled And and notice I used the word I, not my technician, not Invisalign. It's me. I made the mistake. I accepted the ClinCheck. I pulled the tooth down and out the long access, and aligners cannot pull. They can only push. Whereas tooth number 10, I moved it out labially, creating space, and then I extruded with simultaneous lingual retraction against the broad surface of the beveled gingival attachment. And and so... That, that's, that is like fundamental. And when, I, when I made my splash in 2007 at my first summit
0: presentation, my whole lecture was on extrusion. Yeah, that's been huge for me. When I've, when I've used that, it's worked unbelievably better than you know trying to – and would you have to kind of be on the lookout for it because they, they like to slip it in there? Oh, big time.
1: Uh, yes, they, they certainly do. And so getting back to tips and, and tricks, when I review a ClinCheck, Lance, one of the first things I do, I go to the anterior view and I, I I look at, I, I get rid of the lower arch, and I look at the upper uh, cuspid to cuspid, and I toggle between the beginning and the end, back and forth, like a dozen times, two dozen times, and I look at the incisal edges of each tooth, and I look at the vertical changes. If there's intrusion, then that's great, and then I look at the patient's smile line, out how it might relate to the smile arc. If there's extrusion, I look at the smile arc again and see if indeed I want that extrusion. Then I look at, well, if it's a lateral, am I aligning incisal edges or am I aligning CEJs? Is there a restorative component to this treatment plan or not? And then if, if all those things are in the affirmative or, or that, I let me rephrase that, if, if the affirmation is that yes, I do need extrusion, then I hone in and make sure the extrusion is designed properly. Then I do the same thing for the lower. Toggle between beginning and the end, look for, for vertical changes of, of any tooth. Here's, a, here's another question I have.
0: When patients come in for regular checks, sometimes it's hard not to feel like we're just handing out more liners. And, you know, I'm looking for certain things (laughs) in particular, but I'm curious for you, what, what do you have a checklist that you're going through? How do we add value to those visits? So, so
1: that took me years to get over. You know, I, I would hand out three liners at a time for years because I felt the need to see my patients. And it took me till about three years ago to realize that patients like me, but they don't want to see me, and, and, and so the value is that, and where I, I sell Invisalign, if you will, want to use that term, where I sell Invisalign is on the lifestyle, and that they come to the office less frequently, and when they are here, they are here for minutes rather than you know fifteen, twenty minutes removing the wire and and you know hygiene and brushing, etc. And so the value for me. Is coming in and really being uh, like a cheerleader, or like the mayor, where I walk around the clinic and 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 I've, you know, I'm shaking hands. And you know, I, I've had more starts in each of the last five years in growing my mature practice significantly, double digits every year. I've, uh, but yet I've got more free time. Because of how I, and more free time to do my consulting.
0: So and I know what our is. audience is going to say. They're going to say, oh, that works great for Jonathan, who is the ClinCheck right. genius. And all of his cases right. are tracking perfectly. But for sure. us mere mortals who have things going wrong, what are, what are the things that we need to be looking out for uh, well, when we're so seeing it- people at these checks?
1: Sure, so, so, and what you really need to be looking out for is your initial ClinCheck. check, and so you know you want to watch for that those unseen extrusions, um, you want to watch for contacts, and so I you know if you want to open up a clin check when a patient's in the chair, then that's fine. I think that that is disruptive. Uh, I think what you ultimately want to do is put all your attachments on from the beginning and keep them on to the end. Because anything that you do in the middle is disruptive. That means you have to keep track of it. I think you want to start and stop upper and lower arches at the same time because you want to become the Ron Popeil of Invisalign where you just want to set it and forget it and, and, and be on your merry way. So at any visit, you're checking for contacts. You're checking uh, for um, uh, uh, tracking, obviously. And if something isn't tracking, then you got to go back to the check. And another tip that I w- would say to your audience that, that I did many years ago is I started taking progress photos with both aligners in and aligners out. And that showed me how well or not well my cl- my teeth were tracking and therefore how well or not well my ClinCheck was designed so that if I had a patient at, at stage tw- 12, let's say, and everything was perfect, but yet by stage 20 they came in and one or two teeth were not tracking well, I know somewhere in the last eight stages things went haywire and I could go back and really dissect it. Um, and, and so that's kind of like behind the scenes. But at any given... Um, Visit that the patient comes in, um, my staff asks if there are any problems, and usually there is not. If there is a problem, they usually call or send me an email or, or what have you. Um, and I am uh, checking for fit, checking for contacts, make sure that that everything is 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 coming along fine and i, I don't know I, I don't know what else to, to <laughs> to look at because I've, I've designed my clinchecks to, to be as seamlessly integrated
0: into my schedule uh, as possible. Right. I want to talk about Invisalign and profitability, which I know is a question that a lot of have people have, mm-hmm. you know, many doctors sure. would just as soon save the lab bill if they can and start patients with fixed appliances. Right. You know, what, what are your thoughts about that strategy? Is, is there, does a practice have to grow their number of starts in order for Invisalign to actually add to the bottom line of a practice's profitability?
1: Well, I think you can massage the numbers in this argument whatever way you want to. And, and so by that, I mean, and, and, and this is something that I spoke about specifically at this past year's uh, Summit 2016. So for those of you who haven't seen it or listened to it, Um, on the archived education tab, uh, in the Invisalign webpage, you can listen to it because I tell my story and how, you know, back then when I was, I thought cannibalizing, you know, my, my starts with Invisalign in that first year, you know, where, what you're truly asking Lance is where is the tipping point? Where is the magical tipping point of percentage? I have written here in my notes,
0: is there a tipping point?
1: right and 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 if if you have't and I answer all that in my in my presentations about fifty three minutes long and I truly think that the the range is about twenty five to thirty percent of your of your starts need to be in plastic when you start truly recognizing the positive uh growth and impact when it comes to uh, incorporating Invisalign and, and, and getting out of retail Invisalign and into the rebate territory and then the learning how to design and massage your ClinCheck so that it can be as, you know, seamlessly integrated and increase your capacity so you can see people every two months, three months, four months, five months, whatever you think is is appropriate. Um, and so then the natural question is, well, you know, 20% of somebody that starts two hundred cases a year is very different than somebody that starts five hundred cases a year. Is very different than somebody that starts a thousand cases. So you know what is that tipping point? Is it different? And and what I show in my presentation is that the unit cost of Invisalign per revenue generated is a very specific thing. So when I did my analysis, you know, back in 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 two thousand twelve when I did my analysis, I, I had an employee her salary was in the fifty three to fifty five thousand dollar range. And so let's average it about fifty four thousand dollars. Back then I was producing with her salary, it was producing me just over $200,000 per employee back then. The national average, according to JCO, is $200,000 of production per employee. Chris Benson, who I listened to your fantastic interview with him, uh, says it's about $180,000 per employee. Now, that one employee of mine had to leave because she sustained an injury outside the office. And that year was the same year I crossed over the 50% mark. Uh, of share of chair or starts in plastic. And what I essentially did was slide her. And and during that year, I I had started annually more than 70 new annually, more than 70 new patients a a year. But I used 50 in my analysis, for example. And so why is 50 important? Because 50 after my lab rebate of around $1,100, uh, 50 cases time, uh, times a lab of about $1,100 is a, a fee of $54,000, the same exact amount as her salary. Now. Back then, her salary was getting me two hundred thousand dollars, a little bit more. So that was kind of like an acquisition cost, if you will. That two hundred thousand dollars of production cost me two hundred thousand, cost me fifty four thousand dollars of salary to get. Now, slide in my P and L statement. Slide that fifty four thousand dollars from the labor column to the lab fee column, and now let's apply some fees to those fifty cases of that got me a lab fee of fifty four thousand dollars at a fee of $5,500, you produce $275,000. At a fee of $6,000, you produce $300,000. At a fee of $6,500, you produce $325,000. So for the same quote-unquote cost of overhead, I'm able to produce $75,000 to $125,000 more for the same unit cost of, of lab fee as compared to labor. And so that to me is what i term the plastic employee that to me is yeah the that's a great analogy sh- that that to me that's a profound shift stepping out of the analog stage and into the digital world and truly uh 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 getting this uh, uh truly uh um uh recognizing and, and appreciating what this technology can do to your office so for your doctors and your examples you know wanting to save on the lab fee uh, I'm not here saying that we have to fire somebody, but what I'm here to say is, if you have attrition, which we all do, instead of hiring uh, a new person to to tie and untie wires, consider hiring the plastic employee, or potentially, you know, uh, re-shift uh, somebody in your current practice out of the clinic, and maybe you know reappoint them the, the marketing czar and your in your community engagement director. Uh, in your in your area to to start promoting plastic
0: because yeah. it, it, it the capacity is boundless. I think that's just a fascinating uh, analysis there. I want to give you a minute to talk a little bit about yourorthocoach.com. tell us a little bit about what that service is and uh how if orthodontists could utilize that to improve their uh skills in Invisalign.
1: Sure. So yourorthocoach.com um is uh, the, the beautiful invention, uh, of my good friend, Dr. Willie Dayan. And, um, he uh, founded it many years ago. And after many years of working through the, uh, the systems and, and making it seamless, he invited, uh, about this time last year, several other faculty members. So I think there's a total of six of us now. And it is a, a, a consulting service, a coaching service where any doctor can sign on and, um, uh, have any one of us, uh, at their discretion, you know, they can pick and choose, uh, um, to help them review their cases. And what we do is we, uh, use, uh, screen capturing software where it, we record our, uh, computer screen, us reviewing your clincheck in real time and narrating it and showing you how we would go about manipulating the clincheck, whether it's attachments, whether it's tooth movement, uh, discussing it, uh the the treatment in general the diagnosis the treatment plan i personally uh show many of my own similar cases um i also oftentimes uh attach my own publications to add value to my answers um and then understand that this is a a coaching service so this is not us doing the clin check for you and at the conclusion we do reset um the modifications that we made so that you, the 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 customer, the doctor who's asking for the help can go in and do it themselves so they can truly learn how to do it themselves. Cause the goal of your Orthocoach.com is not to do the clincheck, but rather to to teach somebody how to fish, so to speak, so that eventually you will not have to use the service. Uh, additionally, the beauty is that you get to keep these videos which last anywhere from 5 10 15 20 minutes at times you get to keep them into perpetuity and build your own reference library to be able to apply them uh for future cases as a reference uh when you're submitting your cases
0: That's awesome. I'm I've never done it but I'm totally going to try it. I think I think it sounds amazing. So let's let's wrap with this. Can yes. you share with our audience perhaps one strategy or something that's going well in your practice? outside of uh, utilization of invisalign but something that you're doing or trying that's that's working well for you in 2017 boy i would say
1: the top 3 and some are intangible and some are very tangible and i'm going to start with the intangible its number 1 is is to be kind and empathetic to your patients and 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 to you know make them happy you know people don't care how much we know they want to know how much we care and, and, and part of that is being generous. Part of that is waiving fees when it comes to replacement retainers, depend on the times. And, and there, it, it's, that has gone a long way in, in Reese the last five years in terms of just building positive energy. So that's kind of the intangible. And, and I, and I, and your description of your uh, uh, Facebook page, I forget what words you used or what term do you use, something about the soft, um, soft skills. Soft skills, love that, man. That was just like, yeah. So those soft skills, those intangibles, those are things you can't teach. They're just kind of learned or, or they're in your DNA. So that that's number one. Number two, treating my staff uh very well, just being happy with them, act, you know, empathetic. I, I'm I think a very I've got very low turnover in my practices in terms of employees, and it's because I think I treat them well. I give everybody Invisalign, they don't pay for it. And, and it is the best in, uh, investment having walking advertisements in the office or, or, uh, you know, out about in the community with the liners in. And the third very tangible thing has been radio. My radio advertising has been the most impactful, uh, for me in central New Jersey. Every market is different. Uh, if there was a local TV station, I would be on doing my own commercials as my father did growing up. Uh, in, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, but you know, we're right between New York and Philadelphia and it's not really a local TV market, but the radio for me has been the most impactful uh, uh, for me. And that's what has been was doing really well.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jonathan, for being here, for being so open and, and willing to share with everyone. Uh, I've, I've learned a lot. I've got some notes written down here that I'm going to go back and review. Well, terrific. Uh, I, I really appreciate your time today.
1: Well, my pleasure, Lance. Are you kidding me? This is, is such an honor and, uh, uh, to be able to be on here and share my experience and my thoughts. And, uh, I, I truly wish you continued success in, in this new endeavor. I think it is just, it's like the perfect little, uh, cherry on top of, of, of the Sunday. Uh, this this podcast that you have for orthodontists, by orthodontists, and I just feel that it it, it perfectly plugs and, and fills a void uh, that we didn't know that we had. Uh, well, thank we you. Will, uh, we, yeah, we certainly get a lot from. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to each and every one. That's so
0: kind of you to say. Thanks a lot. Have a great day, Jonathan. Thank
1: you. You too, Lance.
0: Hey guys, wasn't that amazing? I want to give a huge shout out to Jonathan and thank him for coming on the show and sharing with us some of his knowledge and expertise. For those of you keeping score at home, I've got down here Dental, CSI, Microvilli, Commodore 64, Farside, Ozymandias, Paul McCartney, Ron Popiel. Wow, amazing. I would highly recommend that you go online and check out some of the articles on Dr. Nick Aziz's website. That's PrincetonOrthodontics.net slash publications. And also, if you want to get some one-on-one coaching with Dr. Nick check out yourorthocoach.com. Finally, on the Invisalign website, under the Education tab, you can see some archived lectures that Jonathan's given in the past. Please share this podcast with any friends that you have who are orthodontists. Give us a review on iTunes. Anything you can do to spread the word about the podcast and bring it out to a wider audience, share with more people, would mean the world to me. Hope you're doing well. Have a great week. We'll see you back next time. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or visit our website at elevateorthopodcast.com. Tune in next week for another great episode.